We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's uh, let's kind of dive into this a little bit. So we do have some questions, Ryan. I'll, I'll pull those up, and you can look for some other ones. Rob Hosgood says, "Guys, what traits or qualities does Harry Heastan look for in an offensive line recruit?" I think it's a good this is a good question, Ryan. Length, yeah. mm-hmm. physicality, and toughness. And those aren't always the same thing, right? Sometimes you can be physical, but toughness is is a little bit of a different deal. They kind of go to get if you're if you're tough, you're going to be. You know, you're you're not necessarily going to be physical because you may not be strong enough to be physical. If you're physical, you may just be really strong, but you get punched in the mouth a couple times. There's just, but usually when you're talking about top players, the physicality and the toughness are they they go hand in hand with guys that are they're tough. He likes guys that can move their feet, and he likes guys with positional flexibility. I think those are the things he he you know finishers and all that. That's all part of physicality and toughness. I don't think mm-hmm. Coach Eastan cares a ton about about having a great technique now. Cause he's one of those guys is like, well, that's my job. That's what I get paid to do. He right. wants to see that you have the physical traits to be able to execute the things he's going to teach you. And so I think the last thing is he really likes guys that can move their feet. They don't have to be elite athletes, but he likes guys that can move their feet. Cause I don't think Sam Pendleton is an elite athlete, but he moves his feet extremely well. I mean, he hits and his feet just go into overdrive when he makes contact. That's something you got to love because most young linemen are the exact opposite. They hit something and their feet stop. He hits something and is just accelerates. And I think that's something that you love, but he's got the ability to move, even though he's not in a, you know, an elite athlete. So I think those are the things that coach Easton looks for. Yeah. And if I could add just to the last point that you said there about, I mean, I've seen a lot of offensive linemen on the high school level where you said like the, the foot, the foot, the feet just stop on contact. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that coach Easton really prides in his offensive linemen is body positioning with purpose, right? Cause I think a lot of guys want to get in the right body positioning and then they just kind of stop, but you want to, the, the part of the finish is being able to work through contact and do those types of things. And there's a reason that we always talk. Someone said again, the he standard earlier, right? It's, all high school offensive tackles, for the most part, we've talked in the past that like he will identify players that are just interior-only guys. But having guys that have the tools, the unteachables, the length, 
the athletic profile, having those things at a requisite level that Coach Eastan can build off of, that's a big part of it because he's a great teacher. He's a great producer of talent. He's a, he's a great, he's just a great developer. But having those unteachables is part of that developing. If you don't have those, those requisite skills, then there's only a, there's a ceiling to, to how good you can be. Guys like Quentin Nelson, even Mike McGlinchey, Ronnie Stanley, like those types of athletes with, th- with that type of profile, those guys have very high ceilings. And Coach Easton, I think, trusts himself as a coach and a developer to be able to hit those types of higher ceilings as well. I want to bring this up, Keith, because I want to address your question down the road. But you, Keith asks, Brian, what changed your mind about Wagner? Uh, Keith, can you give me some context? What you uh, what you perceive my opinion to change from what to what? I'm just curious about that because I'm not quite sure. I my initial reaction is I don't think I ever changed my opinion of of Emil Wagner. Uh, so I want to understand like how you perceive what I've said because I like I said I want to answer your question um, uh, uh, properly on that one. So if you could just kind of throw that in the chat now, Keith, and I'll get to that here before we get out of here, even if it's after Ryan has to take off. Domer Grizz says daily mailback question: If Josh Lug gets hurt and Spindler doesn't improve his foot speed. Who's the next guy at right guard? Zeke Carell, Carmody, move Fisher to right guard and Baker in at right tackle. Thanks. Number one, this is the one of the reasons. Ryan, I've literally, I'm not going to lie to you, this spring especially, since I since we launched the message board, I've literally thought every time I put an Intel piece out, if there's anything remotely not, everything is awesome, I've just not put it out. Because it's like, it turns into this thing like, okay, because Rocco Spindler hasn't looked great, it's like people are like, well, you know, he's never going to play. It's not necessarily what Domo Grizz is saying, but like, look, he's a redshirt freshman. Liam Meikenberg wasn't ready to start as a redshirt freshman either. Ronnie Stanley was, right? Zach Martin was. Some guys were. Mike McGlinchey wasn't. Mike McGlinchey wasn't ready to play till late in his redshirt freshman year. It's why he didn't play. So uh, let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on on Rocco Spindler. He's ten practices into being with Harry Heastan. Now, to answer your question, if that hypothetical is true, I think what you would probably see in that situation is Michael Carmody move out to guard, because once Jarrett Patterson comes back and you have Zeke Carell, Michael Carmody has gotten the center experience you want and need, but he's also a guy that you're not going to lock in as behind Jarrett Patterson if. if an, another position comes open. So that would be my, probably my first guess on who they move. I don't know if I, if the Zeke Carell experiment is one I would want to go with. And, and that would be, that would be, now I'm also curious to see like, how does Joey Tonona do in the fall when he comes back from an injury? How does, you know, Billy Shrouth do when he gets back, you know, just tight chant. So some of the freshmen may have a say in that, but just looking at the current roster, I think Carmody is the guy that pops in my head. Ryan is the first guy that I see as, as getting a crack at starting. He makes the most sense too, right? I mean, because like you said, Zeke Corral did not have a very good showing at guard. And he's just kind of a smaller guy, right? So there just might be some limitations to being a center only, which is fine if he's in the correct role. Carmody, I think, kind of possesses some traits where you got to get a little excited about playing guard because he's a really physical, tenacious blocker. Even when he didn't really understand, I think, what he was doing last year, at least he was playing hard, man. Like he was one of the few finishers, I thought, on the team. There was one play... I forget what game it was, man, but he took a good player and he just drove him through the back of the end zone. Like there is some tenacity to how Michael Carmody plays. So I think he's a natural fit in guard. I'm very intrigued with him at center as well that we've seen a little bit in the spring. Mm -hmm. 
but I think that it's a it's a pretty natural fit of guard. So I wouldn't mind seeing yeah. that actually in, in a pinch. Not obviously I'm not wishing Josh Lug gets injured. I hope Josh has a great season. He's fully healthy, but and I do hope like the that Rocco Spindler gets his feet foot foot quickness exactly. because you know, but he'll 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 be okay. Yep. He'll be okay. Uh Tommy Guns asks, how many of these guys were being recruited prior to Harry He stands arrival other than Pendleton? To a degree, Ryan, all of the guys. Pendleton and Elijah uh, Page are the only guys that weren't on the board to some degree before Harry Heastan took over, correct? Well, was Kanija Harris, was he on He was the on the board. board. He got he offered on board. before Harry Heastan was hired. Now, gotcha. he was on the board in the same manner that he is now, that he's you know a guy that they are talking to, but not a guy that they're necessarily pushing for just yet. Right. There's a couple other guys on the board early on that people have asked about, like timeout Tom said, I saw Harris Sewell visit in Notre Dame before, anything happening with him? He's not a guy that Notre Dame that he stand was all that high on. TJ Shanahan was a guy that visited early. Notre Dame's cooled on him for some reason. I'm not quite sure what that is. So there's some, you know, there's been some guys that are on the board. You know, Vi, uh, was it uh, Viden Lang? I think it's his first name. I forget. I forget what's uh, Vison Lang. Vison Lang. There you go. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I got DS. My bad on that. But uh, <laughs> they've kind of, and this is what he stands always done: recruit a smaller board and just land them. Right. And he's going to have, he's going to have to prove that that still works. That That's the thing we talked about. So we'll find out if it does or doesn't here moving forward. But good question. We've got a super chat from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you for that very, very much. Sorry if I missed this. Just got back from the store. Sam and Pemba, Rico Flores status. How likely Notre Dame gets them? Thanks, guys. I'll just answer Rico Flores real, real quick, Ryan. Notre Dame made his top five. He has an official visit set for the summer. That's, I mean, when guys aren't, haven't visited yet, it's hard to, you know, say a whole lot. So we'll find out. Notre Dame is obviously in it because they made his top five and he set up a visit there. But right now it's just kind of like you you really don't know where things are going to stand until he gets on campus. Uh, But I do think they've got a, if they can, if they can get him on campus, I think they'll have a shot because he's a, he's a different kind of cat. Like he is a high academic, like grades are a big thing for him. Like he checks a lot of the boxes, Ryan. It's just, you got to get him on campus. Yep. That's the big key. I mean, especially making that trip from California all the way to, to South Bend, right? I mean, the Folsom, he's from out of Folsom, obviously, high school out there, and he was a really, really productive player last year. And I, I really, I, I think Rico is just a very smooth all around player. Like, I don't think anything really pops from a physical perspective, but he just does everything so well. So he's firmly on the board. But like you said, there's not going to be a ton of movement until he finally gets to Notre Dame and makes that step. And then, I mean, we've talked a bunch about Sam, Sam and Pemba at this point. I think in Pemba, I think I would call Notre Dame probably the leader right now, right? And I think that he obviously really likes, you know, the, the staff and he's been on campus pretty recently. So I think everything's trending right in Pemba. The, just the biggest question is closing on him and when is he going to make his official decision? Because I think that's going to mm-hmm. tell a lot about where that one stands. Right now, things look good. With Pemba, but until he makes it, I mean, everybody I talk to that knows him is like, he loves Notre Dame. He raves about Notre Dame, but we've heard, we hear that about a lot of guys that haven't committed who or won't commit. And I'm not going to say like publicly commit. I mean, just haven't committed period. And Sam and Pemba is one of those guys. So until he's ready to pull the trigger, I mean, you know, it, it, it is what it is. So I think he likes Notre Dame a lot, but in, until a kid's committed, there's always room for somebody else to get in there, to be honest with you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. John A1 says, does Irish break down grade Jagasaw as a top 50 player or a top 25 player? I'll speak for myself. Mm-hmm. He falls just outside the top 50 for me, simply because my grade takes into account where he is right now. I have technique and things like that are part of your current grade, and they're low enough to where it takes him out of the top 50. And that, But but he's also the type, and I've said this before, there's there's types of players I like to say, that's why I made the upside grade. That's why I give two grades, where he is now and where I think he can be. He's easily a five-star upside kid for me, easily. But I have him just outside the top 50, John. And the reason is, is when, I, when you look at his grade for me, he grades out really high in every category. But his technique and footwork grade right now, not foot quickness, his athleticism numbers grade out really well for me. It's the technical part of his game that's really below the other parts. And that's what's dropped him out of the top 50 for me. If the tech, if the only thing he changes between now and his senior year is his technique gets a lot better, he's easily in the top 50 for me, Ryan. But right now, He's not because of those technical things. But I'll be honest with you, if a kid's going to be lacking anything in high school, that's the thing I care least about him lacking. Because, again, that's what – well, now. It was a more of a concern for me before, but now I don't care one bit because that's what that's what you go – because if you have great technique but it's not what Harry Heastan coaches, he's going to break it all down anyway and have you do what he wants to do. Sure. So I kind of like it when guys don't have great technique because – it's going to fit really well into to what he's going to build build for you. And speaking as a former coach, it's it's the worst when someone is very high, strong on technique when they first get to you, and you have to completely deprogram and start from scratch. So I, I, I agree. I, I think that 
Jagasaw's upside is definitely as a top 50 player. There's no doubt about it. And I'd be more willing, Brian, and this is always like the, the fit conversation for me, right? The fact that he may go to a Harry Heastand staff here is I'm more willing to bet on the upside than maybe if he goes to a situation which does not have a great offensive line coach in the building. So I'm just more willing to kind of settle for the upside on a guy like Jagasaw because I have so much confidence in Coach Heastan being able to hit that ceiling, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think that that matters. I mean, it happens all the time in the NFL draft circles, right? It's like a guy gets drafted into a situation. It's like Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence was one of the the best quarterback that I've ever graded out in an NFL draft perspective, but he got drafted by Jacksonville. So it's like, Oh man, that's not great. (laughs) That's not great. So fit matters. And I think that's why the upside conversation really matters in this context. Cause coach, he is, is in the building for Notre Dame. Ryan, there's two questions I want to get to before. And then after that, you stay as long as you can and I'll finish up whatever's left over. So there's, there's two I wanted to get to that are kind of relative related more to that. I think you need to be to answer. Number one is uh, D troll hunter. Ryan, what was harder to do? Get an ESPN guy on the channel or get Brian's permission to interview Connor live. I can, I add a third one into there. I, I think, I think the hardest thing to do was to actually accept that ESPN did something good by hiring Jordan Reed. Cause I really do like Jordan Reed. So I'll defer to that D troll. I mean, Brian didn't give me any, I honestly, I know Brian likes things his certain way, obviously, and it's his brand, so that's 100% makes sense. He didn't give me any problems with with bringing Connor on, so there was no fight back and forth. There was never even a conversation about it. It was like, I'm going to interview this guy. I said, what what day? Wednesday? Cool. All right, let's do it. Which says a lot about my confidence in Ryan, but no. It's true. (laughs) The only reason we didn't do Jordan Hunter live or Jordan Reed live is because we had such a hard time locking him into a time the first time because Jordan's getting – pulled in a million i mean he's at espn now so he's got everybody wants him on the show yeah. uh, so it can be hard to lock in a time and we didn't want to hey jordan reed's gonna be on the show tuesday at 12 30 then he couldn't make it right so that's the only reason we did that one as a record so uh, and he's I mean, yeah and i mean just some context i talked to jordan uh, originally i interviewed him at i was supposed to interview him at like eight o'clock he asked me to push it to nine it, just like an hour before the show just because like brian said he's on espn he's doing his right. analysis and also he told me he was on like he was at like 20 different pro days in the previous two right. or three weeks so like it's busy times he, man this time because jordan and connor i think are do it go about it a little bit differently jordan because he, I mean, he's going the places he's on he's traveling a lot and so Again, that's the only reason that we didn't have Jordan on live is just because of that. It was it was going to be impossible to ensure that he was going to be able to be there, and it took some of the pressure off Jordan that he could just say, "Look, man, when you're ready for us, let us know, and you know we'll get you on there." And Ryan did a great job setting that up, so certainly, certainly appreciate that. So I resent the implications here for my man Detroit Hunter, to be completely honest with you, but I get it because I'm not that way with most people. So again, it speaks volumes about my confidence in Ryan and this professionalism uh, that I just didn't even ask questions. I didn't even tell you how to do it. I just said, you know, how I want it done. I said, yeah, do it. Uh, Because that's also your area of expertise as well. The other one is here from David Solomon. I heard or read over the weekend where Jason Moore locked in a trip to Ohio State. Maybe his next Notre Dame trip will be around then. I mean, so I talked to his mother yesterday. They have obviously just begun to to kind of finalize some trips. So it's definitely on the to-do list. It is something that they – They've told me for weeks now that they want to see a practice. Like they just want to. That's a priority for the Moore family right now. So, the, kind of the quick context, and Brian talked about a little bit earlier. 
brother uh, Justin, who is a guard for the University of Villanova, was playing in the tournament, so that got delayed. Obviously, the mom wants to be there in person, watch her son play. Then he gets injured in ACL, he has to get surgery, and mom also has to be there. So that kind of limited the ability to be, you know, very easy travels at that point, right? Mm-hmm. The flexibility was kind of cut in half, right. a, a lar- I mean, not even in half, like to a large degree. So they, they visit schedule is starting to really ramp up now. Notre Dame feels like they're in a good position. We feel like they're in a good position. So I, I, I think that he's going to get on campus pretty soon here. The difficulty for him in scheduling Notre Dame trip is Ohio State's bringing him in for the spring game. If Notre Dame just wanted to bring Jason in for a spring game, it'd be no problem. The thing is he wants to be at Notre Dame for a practice. He's adamant about wanting to be there for a practice. I think that's a good sign for Notre Dame because of what we know that means. So uh, could we see something where maybe like the Thursday before or the Tuesday after he's in Notre Dame? Maybe, you know, but again, logistically, it's going to be a a problem because, you know, moms have to, she had to take off a lot of work for her older son to go in the Big East tournament, the NCAA tournament. So it's just not always that simple. So we'll see, we'll see kind of how it goes, but, uh, you know, that's kind of the deal there. Christopher Morgan with a super chat. I hear you talking about private school thing. I went to Stanley Clark, St. Joseph High, Grand Valley State. You get used to the khakis, ties, penny loafers growing up. I did. It just, for me, it just, I've never liked wearing dress clothes. I didn't, I actually tried to talk my wife into not going full tux for the wedding. It didn't, that conversation did not go very far at all. I just, I don't like wearing that kind of stuff. I don't, I feel it's restricting Christopher Morgan with the super chat. Happy Monday guys. Hypothetically, if Harry, he stand can get the offensive line running at the minimum 80% efficiency production, along with our current monster talent and future talent on all off uh, offense. Where do you guess the program is in three years, top five to three? I think it's going to have to be more than 80%. I mean, to me, 80% is not a top five team. Uh, you know, and I, I don't think Harry Heastan's best lines were, you know, the, I, I guess I'm, maybe I'm not understanding his, his efficiency production thing. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't quite get that part. Is that like related to what it's potential? Is there an 80% efficiency number grade out there? I'm not quite sure what that means. Ryan, that's a little, the analytic like stuff a, is. It sounds like a, my, sounds like a pro football focus number. I yeah. don't, I don't know, man. I don't know yeah, how you grade that. Not quite either. sure. But the point is Christopher, like if Harry Heastan can do it in Notre Dame now, what he did last time with the upgrades and recruiting in so many other ways and better coaching in every other area. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think Notre Dame is, is absolutely going to be a con, con, pers, consistent top five team in my opinion. And, you know, they're already kind of close to that now. So yes, that is the expectation. Now that's going to be what Marcus Freeman's demanded of. Cause Brian Kelly always had him in the top 10 to 15. If he's going to be a better coach than Mark, than Brian Kelly, he needs to be consistently five to ten. There's going to be those years where you're seventh or eighth. I mean, Lowell's had those years where you know you're breaking in a new quarterback or you're a young team or you have some injuries, whatever the case may. A re- actually a young team. Not we say we're young when we're not, but you're actually a young team. Tavis McKay, I know we are saying this class can be amazing. However, what is the most exciting thing specifically about O-line potential for the cycle? And what could be the biggest pitfalls for the cycle in regards to offensive line recruiting? I mean, as far as the players that we've talked about, I think that the highest potential is if you get a guy like a Monroe Freeling into the class who is a true left tackle prospect and a true offensive tackle just in general, then the prospects of getting Charles Jagasaw and letting him develop into whatever he develops into is the biggest upside for me because I feel good about – 
guys like Austin Saraveld or Sam Pendleton, depending on who comes into the class or maybe even kind of moving down the board a little bit. Like I think those guys will kind of fill in and be good players for Notre Dame. But I really do think that Monroe Freeling unlocks everything. He kind of gives you a little bit of leeway as far as where guys can play, how confident you are moving a tackle inside the guard. If, if you feel like that's the best spot for him. So the biggest pitfall on the, on that same kind of wavelength is if you don't get a true tackle in this class that you're comfortable with full-time and offensive tackle, if you don't get a guy like a Monroe Freeling, then a guy, then you're pigeonholing in my opinion. And it's going to sound weird because people are like, Oh, pigeonholing a guy to stay at offensive tackle. But I really think that a guy like a Charles Jackson has so much versatility and position flexibility where I just want him to decide. I want his body and his tenacity to decide where he ultimately ends up. If and you don't the openings able- that are there. That's the other right. part too, is like if you pigeonhole a guy at tackle, that may sound as a negative, but if there aren't any tackle jobs open and there's two guard jobs open, but you mm-hmm. stubbornly are like, no, we're gonna leave him a tackle, then you're you're you know you're 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 that's what we mean by pigeonholing him is because you're not allowing his game and the opportunities to move like they did with the Jarrett Patterson, like they did with the with Tommy Kramers and, and Aaron Banks and guys like that, where hey, we're gonna make this move inside because the opportunity is gonna come sooner for you there. That's another reason why pigeonholing a guy into a tackle or guard or center spot is not always the best thing for him. So I'm sorry, Ryan. I just wanted to add to no, that point. No, no, it, it's it's per, it's perfect context to to the question. I I really think that a, you need to find at least one true offensive tackle in this class, and then you could have a guy or two that might have offensive tackle, offensive guard flexibility. Like that's just kind of the point to it. But mm-hmm. if you don't have a guy like a Monroe Freeling that is absolutely a tackle then you're going to have to force guys into positions maybe that don't fit them best long-term potentially. Right. I mean, that might not be the case because right. Charles Jackson might just be a great offensive tackle and the conversation changes a little bit. But I right. think Monroe Freeland gives you a lot of flexibility. The most exciting thing for me, Ryan, is I believe that this class has a chance to combine the last two classes. And what I mean by that is this. The 2012, 2021 class was very high on you know top-level players, but it lacked the depth. 2020 was the same way. Two really good players at the top, Tosh Baker and Michael Carmody. Again, we're looking at recruiting rankings, not what they've turned out to be. But no depth because they only signed two linemen. And then 2022 had really one really, really good player in Billy Shrouth. And then just a lot of good players, like a lot of good depth. Not really any elite guys. This class has a chance to be both. It has a chance to land some elite talent, which I believe Jagasaw and Freeling are. But it also has a chance to be really good depth class. If you get let, let's just say your class is Jagasaw, Freeling, Saraveld, and Pendleton. I don't, I don't, I, I really wish there was one more pure tackle. I, I would, I would want that. But that's high level talent and really good depth in one class. That's what he stand used to do all the time, and that's what I would hope that he can kind of get back to. Uh, that's going to be the key. But there was a couple times in his tenure where they were a guy short because he did focus on such a small group. So that's going to be the interesting piece about this thing too. The the pitfall is just that you don't close because if you don't close and the guys are on your board now, you got to start from scratch with other players and that's going to be a problem. So that would be my, my biggest pitfall. We got two more here. Uh, Christopher, I don't, I, we read your question, Christopher, but I don't think I thanked you for the super chat. That's my fault. Thank you very, very, very much for that super chat. We really appreciate it. Got a super chat from Antoine Johnson, our new resident Michigan fan. Antoine bringing good conversation to the chat. Um, even though he's 
incorrect on the, the Notre Dame offensive line recruiting versus Ohio State's. Giving Ohio State's new defense, they play with an extra safety. Do you think Notre Dame is strong enough up the middle to play bully ball? I see Ohio State being weak. I love how he won't say Ohio State because he's a Michigan fan. He just says Ohio being weak against the power run game. I think we saw that in both of their losses last year, Antoine. I, I think they got bullied up front on both on both sides of the ball, really, but especially their D-line in both of their losses. And honestly, you know, that's what – because there's there's this talk about like, well, you know, Notre Dame's going to struggle because their defense is going to get beat by – but nobody's talking about the fact that Notre Dame has a better offense than Utah, and Utah hung 45 on Ohio State in the bowl game last year. Like Notre Dame fans are freaking out about how Oklahoma State hung 30 – was it 37 on Notre Dame? But nobody's talking about how Ohio State gave up 45 to Utah. Utah. And how did Utah do it? They bullied Ohio State. And then that created some big play opportunities. So, yes, I agree. I think that Notre Dame has to be able to bully them. Now, it's going to come down to can the offensive line play better than it did last year? Because if we're talking about last year's Notre Dame offensive line, no chance. They're not bullying anyone, much less Ohio State. But, yes, if this offensive line can be what it's capable of, yes, I believe they have a chance for that. I'd feel a little bit better if maybe they played in week three just from an O-line standpoint. There's other areas where I'm glad they're playing in week one, but just O-line. You know, kind of getting their feet wet a couple times would be ideal. But, you know, to me, Ryan, it's, it's, that's kind of, that's my thing. Do, do, do they have a, is Notre Dame strong enough up the middle? I think they can be. Yes, mm-hmm. I do. I do think they can be. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree completely. I, I think that Notre Dame definitely has the potential to bully an Ohio State. Cause I mean, like I kind of said before, right? They have a lot of talent in the defensive line, but it has not been developed to this degree. I, I like the Williams kid, the young sophomore defensive tackle. Zach Harrison is a freak of nature defensive end, but Zach Harrison just has not been that guy. And then one of the worst mm-hmm. parts, I mean, the secondary was bad for Notre, for um, Ohio State last year too, but the linebackers were bad, man. Their best linebacker all year was Steel Chambers, a, a converted running back. Like, converted right from running season. back beginning of the year. Like right. He, didn't even convert in the offseason. He committed he converted during the fall. Yep. That's not good. Nope, not good. Not so good. <laughs> it, it's it's possible, man. It's possible. I mean, I know there's big expectations, obviously, with the new defensive coordinator coming in, and he's a great defensive mind. There's no question. But getting them in the first game of the season, I think, is big for Notre Dame. I think that that gives yeah. them in, some In some just upside. about every area except for the offensive line, having them in the openers, ideal. And, and it's not bad for the offensive line. I just would like at least a game to kind of, get their feet going get their feet under them a little bit but it's not it's not going to be a problem i mean I, if Notre Dame's got a chance to beat them they'll, they'll beat them but to, to to the point last year ryan i'd say the four games that ohio state struggled the most minnesota and, and i'll still say this they might have lost that game if ibrahim doesn't get hurt because minnesota had taken control of that game before muhammad ibrahim got went down i mean they were running it all over them they ended up running for 203 yards they gave up 269 yards rushing to oregon in a home loss that they lost by seven. Ohio State never had a chance to win that game. Then they got, gave up 297 to Michigan and got bullied in that game. And they gave up 226 rushing yards to Utah. So, yeah, for all the talk about Notre Dame's defense, Ohio State's got a lot more problems. And here's a little note. The last two jobs that Jim Knowles took over did a great job of both. Did a great job of Duke, did a great job at Oklahoma State. The, the reality, however, is – his teams in each of those first years at Duke and Oklahoma State, they actually gave up more points and more yards in his first season than they did the year before by the coach that he replaced. 
because it's a very complex system that takes a while to learn. And that's another reason why it is good that Notre Dame is playing them uh, a little bit, a little bit earlier in that regard. So I, I do think that is, um, that is there. Uh, Christopher Morgan, whenever, Chris, whenever you, we ask, we have, we want to follow up. You don't have to give a super chat to get the follow up if we don't understand something you say, but we do appreciate it. He said, I'm sorry, I meant to say 90% and up in terms of health rush blocks. Uh, I see us in the top three going forward. I think I understand what he's saying. It's maybe like, I don't know, I'm, I'm 90% of what they were better than, I don't, I'm not quite sure. But look, if the offensive line is playing, if they have a top five offensive line, they have a chance to be a top five football team. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's kind of how it goes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so got a last few Bruce share Pete waiters this is for our guy, Pete. I'm a cancer survivor. Did the chemo thing. No fun prayers. I know it is tough. And I love Pete actually has in his Twitter handle. I won't tell you what it is, but he actually has um, something like kicking cancer's ass or something like that, which I absolutely love. <laughs> absolutely love. Uh, Keith Wiegand talking about Amir, uh, Emil Wagner he says uh, there was a lot of talk that Wagner may not be able to put on good weight and keep his mobility. Didn't know if something changed there. No, nothing has changed there. That's still our big concern. I mean, he is a very good talent. The concern has always been, I don't know if I look at his frame, Ryan, and see a guy that I think can naturally get up to at least 290 pounds. You don't have to be 310 pounds. Robert Haynes, he was never more than 290, 295 in his career. And he was a heck of a player. It's just, I don't know if he can get up to 290 and keep that weight on and still be as athletic as he is now. Because he just he's got narrow shoulders, narrow hips like basketball player legs. He just doesn't look like a guy that's going to be, to be able to carry two net. Now I hope I'm wrong. Cause if I'm wrong, he's going to be a player in Notre Dame. Cause he's a big, he's a strong physical athletic kid and a smart kid. I just don't see the frame. That's mm-hmm. the concern I have. And that's always been the concern. And that'll be my concern until he proves me wrong. It yeah. just, it's not personal. It's just, that's my evaluation of it. I hope I'm wrong. This is one I definitely hope I'm wrong on. There's no question. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, because that changes the narrative as far as what the offensive tackle room might look like moving forward because the talent is obviously – I mean, you, it doesn't take long to – it doesn't take even a good eye to watch this film and be like, wow, that kid can move. Like, he can really move, man. There's no doubt. But then you see pictures and you're just like, that guy looks more like a defensive end tight end than offensive tackle, you know? So, like you said, is he going to be able to put that weight on? Is he going to be able to play at that weight? Because, I mean, I had – I have – shared this with Brian a ton. Nicholas Petit Friere from Ohio State is was viewed as this top-notch five-star caliber player. And he went to Ohio State and he put the weight on. He was playing around 310-ish, yeah. you know, his final year, but that completely zapped his athleticism. Right. It was he gone should have been 290, 295 tops. Right. 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 Yeah. 
Because if that, you put if you put more weight on than your body can handle, Ryan, you can't move the way you normally can. That's the, right. anyone can get up to three hundred pounds. I mean, it's not going to be an issue at all for Emil Wagner to get to three hundred pounds if he wants to be three hundred pounds. Not at all, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's about can you move? And to your point about Predator, if he just stayed in Notre Dame, he never would have got over two ninety five. Never, because that Matt Bayless isn't a believer in that. Like they never tried to convince Robert Hainsey to get up three hundred. It was just like, look, you got to get up to two ninety, two ninety five, and be able to maintain it. It was about finding that weight that he could maintain. Because the other problem too, Ryan, is you put all that bad weight on and you get up to three hundred pounds. By the time camp's over, if it's not weight your body can't handle, that weight's gone. You know, and then you wasted all this time putting this bad weight on. That you know, so then you end up getting down to 280, 285, and you still have lost mobility. Because as you lose 10 pounds, you don't just suddenly get your quickness back. You lose that quickness by the by the buildup, and you don't always get it back. And that's the other the other danger about this too. Last couple things, Ryan. Uh Lucas Chapman, I'm gonna say this, Lucas. Um uh, has there been any news regarding the offensive linemen are taking Harry's coaching? We got, we've had multiple updates on that on the message board. So I believe you're a member of the message board. So you're going to look at those Intel pieces. And then before you run, Ryan, I just wanted to get your thoughts quickly on this, then I'll take over and you can head out and I'll finish up the last couple of questions uh, from Camden Hirschberger. How would you guys rank Charles Jagasaw, Monroe Freeling and Sullen Absher in terms of most likely commit to Notre Dame? I think he kind of answered his own question, Ryan. <laughs> I was going to say it's in order already for me. <laughs> Charles Jagasaw, you feel I have to feel really good about. I still am very confident. Uh, well, not very confident. I'm confident in Monroe Freeling that that Notre Dame could be the leader there. Sullivan Absher, I've just have not never been confident in that one. So I would say Jagasaw, Freeling, and Absher in that order for me. Yeah, same here. I, I I mean, and it's a big it's a big gap between each of them. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if they don't get. Uh, Charles Jagasaw, I'm with you, and a lot of my confidence comes from you uh, in Freeling, but it's not close to where we are with Jagasaw, and I'm not, and I'm much more confident in Freeling than I am with Absher. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a gap between all three of them. It's not like they're close. It's Jagasaw clearly, and then definitely number two is is Freeling with you know, and then and I would I would even put Absher wouldn't be in my top three of guys I'm most confident in picking Notre Dame. I'd yeah. put Sarah Belt ahead of him. I'd put Sam Pendleton ahead of him. I'd put both of those guys ahead of him. Ryan, I know you got to run. I got these last couple questions we'll get to here real quick because I want to talk about spring games here. And Bob's an idiot. said, I heard Clemson's spring game did not go well for their offense. And, you know, and, I, and I've had people talk to me about like, oh, Michigan spring game. Look, I'm going to tell you all right now, I'm going to tell you the same thing about their spring games and I'm going to tell you about Notre Dame spring game. I don't care. Spring games are so unimportant in regards to evaluating a football team. If a guy shows you what he's always been, okay, that's fine. But when, like, I watched some of Clemson's spring game, and I saw some of the things my friends have told me. Oh, you know, DJ was inaccurate. He's always been inaccurate. He's never been a guy that was a super accurate quarterback. Uh, you know, hey, they couldn't do this. They couldn't Look, they were missing, like, two starting offensive linemen. They were missing Will Shipley. They had some other guys that were out. They're learning new staff. I, I I don't care if Clemson didn't look great in the spring. It just doesn't matter to me. And if if and I've had a like a, a guy I know who I, I like, young guy I like. He's talking about, you know, watch the spring game and about Clemson. He's always been kind of down on Clemson. And that's just confirmation for him that Clemson's going to struggle. Clemson's going to be fine. They're going to town because if DJ's not the guy, they're going to have no problem putting Cade Klubnik in there. And I thought Cade looked good. Their offensive line didn't look good because they're missing a bunch of guys. And they've got a couple true freshmen kind of working into the rotation and Colin Sadler and the kid from Ohio whose name escapes me right now, but they're going to be fine. And, and the spring game doesn't mean a whole lot to me. 
there's going to be other teams going to be watching Notre Dame spring game being like, I don't know about Notre Dame. It's April. Y'all it's April and they're not building to look great in a game that that is a scrimmage. They're not practicing to be at their best in all these different areas for a spring game. There's just, there's just not, I mean, look, Boston college had a, their offense, an offensive lineman run a wildcat playing to the end zone. That's how much they cared about their spring game. It's for fun. It's to reward the kids. It's to give them some chance to competition. It's to get the crowd there. It's, it's meant to be a fun thing. It's not, it's not meant to be like, oh, this is this is the team, what the team is going to look like. It's just not that. I've tried to warn people for years not to put a lot of stock in spring games. It's the same reason that people were thinking that Deshaun Kaiser could never play at Notre Dame because he looked bad in the spring. I had people telling me they thought Nate Montana could have been a player at Notre Dame because of what he did at a spring game. Spring games mean nothing to me. We had this conversation last year. Oh, Tyler Buckner should beat out Jack Cohn because of what he did in the spring game against the third string defense. Spring games are meant to be fun. As simple as that. They're meant to be fun. They're not meant to be things that we take seriously or use as strong evaluative tools. They're just not that. Uh, so I would I would discourage you from putting a lot of stock in that other than just saying how guys are running around. I mean, I, I think that's fun. It's our chance to see Notre Dame players moving and battling and competing and all that, and it's fun. Uh, it's good to see. We can take little nuggets from it that are conversation, uh, but at the end of the day, it's a situation where it's just meant to enjoy and, and get some fun and get a chance to see guys playing in Notre Dame uniform and in a Clemson uniform and a Michigan uniform and a you know Florida State uniform and all the different spring games that, that I've watched so far. I got Nebraska recorded. I'll be watching that soon. I'll be watching Ohio State this weekend. It's just meant to be. It's just meant to be fun, really. It, it's not meant to be like taken too seriously, and and I and I really wish that fans would stop putting so much emphasis on spring games. Other than it's just it's fun, and we can talk about it, and we can talk about what we saw. Hey, this guy ran around and looked good, and we can talk about like we'll have a post spring game show, and we'll talk about who played well and who didn't play well, but. In very in very rare instances, will I see a spring game that like wow, okay, that moved the needle for me. But it's usually about a guy's athleticism, and that's that's the key to the whole thing. So I just wanted to kind of get that out there before we kind of we, we get we get out of here with that. So anyway, everybody, before you leave, hit that like button, okay? Hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell. Make sure you check out our channel. If you have not gone to irishbreakdown.com and read the articles and all those different things, that's people say, How can we support you? I want to support you, but I don't have the money or I'm cheap. Somebody in the chat said they're too cheap to be on the message board. That's fine. The ways you can support us still without spending a dime, right, is, is to watch our shows and read all the stories. Every single story that I publish at irishbreakdown.com is free, every single one. I haven't put out a premium story in over a year. The premium aspect is the intel we give you on the message board. And there's great value to that. But there's a lot of great stuff we put on the message on the on the website as well. If you read that, we get paid off of page views because we have advertising and all those. So that's a way you can support us. And one way to do that, if you look in the description box below, you'll see our free newsletter it goes out almost every morning now. Not every morning, but most mornings. Has a links to the top stories from the previous day. Click on them, read them. That's how you can support us. So there's a lot of ways you can support us. If you're in a situation where you can't or don't want to spend the money on the message board or a super chat and those type of things. So um, that definitely a big piece of that. 
Sign up for the message board, okay? I still say you if if it's four ninety nine a month, it's not even a full Big Mac meal, okay? Four ninety nine a month or forty nine ninety nine for a year, great value, great content, lots of intel. The guys are doing a great job on that, and it allows me to then spend more of my time getting intel on the team. We had two intel pieces on the team last week. Talked about quarterback, line play, some defense. Uh, the freshman linebackers, a lot, a lot of good stuff. So um, really make sure you're checking all of that stuff out and experiencing you know, all the aspects of what Irish Breakdown has to offer, not just one. Because if you only look at one, like we have people ask questions on the message board, it's obviously don't watch podcasts. Because we don't necessarily talk about everything on every channel. Sometimes if we talked about on the show, I don't talk about it in an article or on the message board and vice versa. So you're going to really want to take in as much of it as you can. So anyway, that's going to do it for the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel. I believe Vince will be back tomorrow for that. Uh, Vince won't be on the Mondays and Wednesdays shows a whole lot moving forward because he's in the middle of baseball season. And those are very, very busy days for him. So that's the reason Vince is uh, as just like it was last year. If you guys remember correctly, last year at this time, Vince wasn't on as many shows. I did more solo shows because Vince had baseball. And, and so now we don't have solo shows because we have Ryan and, and Sean helps out as well. So that's the reason we see more because we're growing. I promised you all from the very beginning, if you make a commitment to Irish Breakdown and you do the things to help us grow, financially help us grow, that money's getting reinvested back into the product to make sure that we're expanding our staff, that we're doing more things to make sure the content and the product becomes even better. That's my commitment to you, and I believe you guys will will see that I have definitely honored that up to this point in time. And I'm hoping to to grow more. I want to hire new people, more full-time people, do all that kind of stuff so we can expand our product. But we can only do that with your support. So make sure that you're checking out and supporting us in all the ways possible. So for the rest of Irish Breakdowns, I'm Brian Driscoll. Y'all have a great rest of your day, and thank you so much for joining the Irish Breakdown podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. 
Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.